0: What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Hopefully you had a great week. I know there were a lot of uh, Max Homa one-and-done selections. Thank you very much, myself included. Uh, finally on the board there. Also a bunch of tickets out there. So congrats to Max. Congrats to everybody. I'm back from Tory before going out to Phoenix next week, going out to Riviera the week uh, after that. So Pebble Beach Pro-Am the final course rotation of the year. These rounds feel very long to me. I don't know if they're substantially longer than the Pro-Am rounds at the American Express, but they feel longer. They feel like they're six or six and a half hours long. Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe I'm not. I'll take you through a data-driven look at Pebble Beach, this uh, field and everything else that goes into it. And what I'm going to show you is from my website, rickrungood.com, giant golf database for fantasy and betting trying to make as many great updates as possible. I'll show you a a small one, but I think an important one here in just a second. But otherwise, let's talk about the key stats. Course key stats tool on rickrungood.com. Now, when you have a course rotation, as we've seen the last couple of weeks, the the data is going to come from the host course. It's going to come from the course that we have the shot link information on. So that's Pebble Beach this week. Three rounds, another 54-hole cut. So everybody's going to play Monterey Peninsula. Everybody's going to play Spyglass Hill. Everybody's going to play Pebble Beach. Then there'll be a cut. Then the final round back at Pebble Beach, just very similar, exactly the same to what we did at the American Express. So when we look at Pebble Beach In its own right, before we get to the other three courses, you're going to see a couple of nuggets here. Uh, One, I think most people are like, oh, I'm shocked that driving accuracy isn't more important or isn't more correlated to success at Pebble Beach. Because this is one of the shortest courses, if not the shortest course that we have on the PGA Tour schedule. It has the smallest greens that we have on the schedule. And all three of these courses play like 7,000 yards or fewer so there is just a lot of accuracy or precision to be had the way the model runs though is that driving accuracy has not been as correlated to success still correlated about a little bit better than pga tour average but most people would expect that to be a lot higher and most people would not expect to see that driving act or excuse me driving distance is actually more correlated than driving accuracy is there's only 17 other courses on the PGA Tour schedule in which driving distance is more important? That may basically means it's in the top third. The reason for that, especially at Pebble Beach, is yes, uh, driving distance not going to be that important off the tee. But what that ends up turning itself into is it ends up being more important on the second shot. So Pebble Beach, you know, everybody kind of plays to the same landing areas. You see that you see it similar at. Uh, Harbor town right where everyone kind of plays from the same spot coming in well if I'm 150 yards away from the green and Joseph Bramlett is 150 yards away from the green I'm hitting eight iron he's hitting like sandwich okay so that that's an exaggeration but you get my point right the distance the club head speed the power not necessarily as relevant off the tee as it is on the second shot so that's why you see This is just a straight correlation model or regression model. It doesn't know anything. It just looks at guys that drive it far. It doesn't know that it's actually coming into play on the second shot. I'm telling you that's the way it comes into play. The other things are um, very small greens, as I mentioned, and a lot of shots from like the wedge buckets from like 100 to 125 yards. I'm not a huge fan of those buckets, but when you have a golf course that gets that setup like this, where everyone's playing from the same spots and you've got like twice as many shots coming from 100 to 125 yards as any as the PGA tour average, like it makes sense, right Not even I can look away from that despite not being a huge fan of the bucket. so it makes sense here, so that's something that will run in the model when we get there. Uh, These greens are small. You're going to have to be a little stout around the greens, right? And then putting on Poana is going to be critical. Again, I'll show you the scorecards. So this is Pebble Beach, and actually, this is interesting. I've never seen the media site have a scorecard that looks like this. They have it for each one. It's they already have. It looks like they already have Jason Day playing round one at Pebble Beach at 9:25 a.m. We'll see if that's a placeholder. If that's if this is just like an example of a scorecard, but I'll be interested to see if he actually does, and we know that on Monday morning. Pretty interesting. Um, so here's Pebble Beach. You can see 6,900 yards, par 72 on the scorecard. Not super intimidating there. You look at Spyglass Hill. That's 72, par 72, 7,041 yards. And then uh, the uh, the Monterey Peninsula, course, 6,900 yards, par 71. So the distance, not a... Prerequisite for success obviously always going to be helpful, but there is a wider path for the shorter guys to get there this week. Um, that's the way that I would say that. Now, let me scroll down a little bit and show you something that I just updated for this week. So, uh, if you scroll down on the course key stats model, you'll get an adjusted course fit. This looks at all the numbers up top and it looks at whatever number of rounds that you want to put in. So I've last 36 in here and it looks at the skill set needed and the players in the field of how they uh, have, what skills they have. And then it puts it into a calculation and says, okay, this person has the best adjusted fit for the golf course. Doesn't matter if they've played it or not. It's just looking at their skill sets. One of the things that I I just kind of tweaked this calculation a little bit. So you might notice a couple of small, subtle changes. I didn't, um, I, I kind of dialed back distance and accuracy and off the tee in this. I kind of lumped it all into one because I didn't want to be double or triple counting the off the tee stats. So I kind of just retweaked this. I think it's um, I did some back testing. I feel this is a lot more accurate. So you'll you'll see that. So anyway, long story short, uh, Matty Schmid gets the best adjusted fit here over the last 36. Now, this is his skill set on this golf course. Right. So it's like who's getting the biggest bump? Matty Schmid uh gets the biggest bump mad mcneely is next that kind of makes sense right makes sense that not only does that make sense but like we know he's played super well here so love to see it ben taylor harry hall ben griffin round out the top five then you get to some bigger names keith mitchell tom hoagie matt fitzpatrick alex smalley and the way that you want to read this is for example you know keith mitchell he's getting a boost uh, based on his stats in the last 36 and what the course is asking for, he's getting a boost off the tee. He's getting a boost on distance. He's getting a boost on accuracy. He's getting a a, a negative, a, a knock slightly on approach slightly around the green and a little bit more with the putter. So that's, that's the way to read this. And then based on how important each one of those stats are at the top, uh, It looks at the numbers and puts it all together. So those are the types of golfers that we're looking for. Lots of different paths to get there. Let's go over to the cheat sheet and start going name by name by name through this field. All right, four golfers over $10,000. Jordan Spieth, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tom Hoagie. What do we notice right out of the gate here? Matt Fitzpatrick, $10,100. Matt Fitzpatrick... Might be the best player in this field. Third, most expensive. Go to the power rankings. Look at the last 50 rounds. There is one name at the top. It's Matt Fitzpatrick. Gaining 1.28 strokes per round over that time frame. He's doing it in all four categories, right? He's very, very well balanced. Talk more about that in just a second. But I was not necessarily expecting to see... Anybody else besides Matt Fitzpatrick at the top of the pricing. So when that came out and I saw that I got a $500 discount off of Jordan Spieth, I was very interested. Now, that does not – we'll we'll see. We'll see if everyone else feels the same way, right? And we have a situation where Fitzpatrick is super highly owned. We'll get to uh, the projected ownership on Wednesday during the live chat. Good to have the live chat back this week. Obviously, didn't do it last week because the event started on Wednesday. So uh, nice to get back to it, but we'll have a better idea – later in the week what the ownership is going to be but Matt Fitzpatrick is is really you know entered a different echelon of golfer right i think that's fair to say he's played a lot he's played very very well he drives the ball great i mentioned that there's no flaws in his game uh, you start to look at things that should find success at Pebble Beach you think a lot of that fits Matt Fitzpatrick just cuz with a three course rotation you kind of have to be good at a lot of different things and he's good at everything so i i guess i'm just a little bit surprised to see anybody besides matt fitzpatrick at the top of the pricing jordan spieth though so jordan spieth i'm assuming gets the big boost here because of the history around pebble beach you know he gets to tap into that creativity that he loves he gets to be out there with buddy jaco in and chit chatting and all that stuff but what is the current state of jordan spieth's game well he missed the cut at the sony open he actually gained strokes putting that we gained two of them Missed the missed the cut there Finished T3 at the Tournament of Champions, where he lost in the ball striking categories. Again, remember, that's only a 39 golfer field. He finished 15th out of, what, 18 at the Hero World Challenge hemorrhaged shots there lost strokes in the ball striking categories uh at the cj cup now this is we're down months ago and then the start before that he went 5-0-0 at the president's cup obviously because of course he did but i think it is safe to say this is not a very good stat profile for jordan spieth the putter which uh he's in basically the worst 100 round or 200 round stretch of putting in his career combined with some really poor ball striking as of late. Yeah, of course it's concerning. Now, he's going to go back to probably uh, one of the better spots on earth for him, right? So we can look at his history. But I'm hoping... Yeah, so I mean, look at this. This is runner-up T3, T9. That's just the last three years. He won this in 2017. He added two more top sevens in 15 and 14. I mean, it's it's just crazy, crazy stuff. He always generally puts well. He'll, I mean, does everything. He does everything well here. This is historically good... Um, Course history, but I think you'll find me potentially waking up, you know, Wednesday morning, seeing what that ownership is, seeing that everybody's on Jordan, and not really getting there. That that's kind of how I envision this, especially because Hoagie's only ten thousand, Fitzpatrick is cheaper, Victor Hovland's back. This is this is a change in scheduling for Victor, right? You know, he did not play in uh tory pines last week he did not even go over to defend his crown in dubai last week this is a little bit of a schedule change we know there's plenty of good vibes around pebble beach for him he won his u.s amateur here um i think when you get smaller greens that are generally uh surrounded by thick rough that's probably good for victor because there's there's two paths there there's there's him getting to separate himself from the rest of the field by hitting into very, very small greens. And he's one of the more aggressive second shot players that we have on the PGA Tour. When that goes well, it goes really, really well. And then not being super penalized for bad shots where they don't have these, um, you know, shaved down areas and collection areas that are going to cause you a lot of trouble. Uh, he's going to be able to get some thick rough. I do worry a little bit about some of the bunkers that are protecting a lot of these greens and things of that nature. But interested to see... I mean, we're only two starts removed, right? We're only two starts removed from him here winning the hero world challenge now in kind of a different portion of his schedule. I don't know if I'll have more exposure to Victor in, in fantasy lineups than than usual. I, I really like Fitzpatrick. I really like where Tom Hoagie's at. You know, the thing, the thing with Hogan. and you'll hear me say this about a couple other guys as we go a little bit further down the board, Pebble Beach is an absolute wedge fest. It is right. I mean, the, I mentioned it before, you know, the. The number of shots from 100 to 125 yards or anything from 125 yards and in um, is so much more frequent here just because of where everyone has to play to. And I've said it a thousand times. Tom Hogie's one of the best wedge players on the PGA Tour. That's just a fact. And obviously that sets up well for him. He played well here, here last year. And he's coming in, gaining strokes on approach in every event dating back to the St. Jude. That was last year in the playoffs and he only lost a third of a stroke over four rounds or excuse me, over two rounds there, he missed the cut. So I just think the way the top end shakes out for me, it's going to end up being probably a lot more hoagie and Fitzpatrick than it is Spieth and Hovland. Now we'll let some of the ownership stuff dictate where that goes later in the week, but that's probably where I'm leaning early on this Monday. The $9,000 range is pretty interesting as well. There are some specialists here, right? So if we just kind of go back to, let's just go back to the power rankings. Let's just look at the last 24 rounds and then just start looking for guys in that, in that 9K range and see what we can find. You'll see that a couple stand out. Uh, here is Maverick McNeely gaining a stroke and a half per round over his last 24. He's $9,600. Joel Damon, who we haven't seen in quite some time, and I believe he just had a baby, 1.7 strokes gained per round. He's a flat 9,000. I think he's going to be fairly popular this week. And then uh, Seamus Power here, 1.3 over his last 24 rounds. He's 9800 So those are kind of the guys that... Uh, separate themselves from the rest of the field. A couple of notes. So, this is obviously, or these are, I guess I should say, uh, some of the shorter courses that we have on the PGA Tour. So, what you can do is you can go to the Holy Grail and you can look up, you know, call it short courses, 7,100 yards or less, and sort and see what we get and look for guys that have a decent sample size. Right now, I have this going back to the start of 2020, so four years and um, Fabian Gomez, it's only one round. You can throw that out the window. Thomas Dietrich is in here. He's got 20 rounds, gaining 1.7 strokes. Sheamus powers the same, 1.7. That's a ton. That's 62 rounds. So we're starting to get into some pretty significant sample sizes. Webb Simpson, Victor Hovland, Ben Griffin, Matt McNeely, Brendan Todd round out kind of the rest of the guys at the top with Justin Rose, Eric Van Rooyen right behind. So, you know, you look at Sheamus. And I want to pull up his stat profile here because remember, he was the 36-hole leader. I'm pretty sure he was winning by five shots through 36 holes. And then he struggled on Saturday and he struggled on Sunday. And he ended up finishing. Uh well, I guess I could just look it up. I think it was outside the top 10. I, I don't think it was I don't think it was particularly pretty. A five shot. Oh, it was T9. Okay. So does a lot of work over two rounds, kind of kicks some of it back. I think he's a lot better player now right? I think he's a lot better player now than he was. He obviously won in Bermuda at the end of last year. He had a really good finish in Mayakoba, a really good finish at the RSM Classic. He played okay in Abu Dhabi. uh, What would that bit have been Uh, two weeks ago, right? Where he finishes T20 and gains six strokes ball striking. Yes, that is strokes gain data from the European tour. It's available on rickrungood.com. Check it out. So I think this is actually a pretty good spot for for Seamus power to exercise uh some of those demons that he might have from from last year I think he's a much better player and I think he's felt the heat a lot more often since then McNeely's almost going to certainly be probably one of the better guys to pivot off of um and I and I ask you to do that at at your own at your own risk. There are definitely some red flags about this, right? He's probably he's likely to be one of the most uh, high, highest owned golfers. He's coming in off of six straight top thirties. Essentially, t thirty one last week was his worst start of the season uh, outside the Fortinet, which was the first start of the year. He missed the cut there. Since then, he's been phenomenal. There are some red flags with this, you know, the fact that he's probably going to have what twenty five or thirty percent ownership. The fact that he is super super reliant on the putter. I mean, he has gained basically a stroke per round dating back to last summer, which is an absurd amount of strokes to gain with the flat stick. He's very, very good on POA. That's probably not going to change this week, Uh, but his ball striking numbers are are pretty bad. He has not gained a stroke one or more in the ball striking category. Since the John Deere, he gained 1.07. He has not gained two or more since last year's Valero, Texas open. We're like nine months removed from that. So if I was looking at this stat profile, without knowing the finishing positions, if I was without knowing his connections to Pebble Beach and uh, I think they've got the family house there and he's played this place a ton and he's got the great results here, this would be a pretty red flag uh, stat profile to me in general. Now, I understand that there's a lot of different ways to get it done and McNeely does it a lot of different ways, but now we're going to the spot where he's going to be probably pretty popular. You know, is this, is this? um, would you rather play a 30% owned, Matt McNeely at Pebble Beach or like a 14% owned Mad McNeely at the Zozo Championship or whatever he was that week. And I think I go towards the latter, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just a little cautious, right? We'll, we'll see. I, I think I'll, I don't know. I might have him in some one and dones. I might get access to him in matchups, um, which I want to talk about in a second. But like there, this playing him in like a straight up trying to win all the money on, a, on like a DraftKings GPP feels like the worst way to deploy him. Not that he can't have success or anything like that, but I, I think there's probably better ways to get access to him. To put a bow on that, 10, on that 9K range, you know, you look at the trends tool and you look for guys who are playing over their head right now. and The, the guys that are playing over their head in the last 36 are McNeely, Putnam, uh, and Power, at least in the 9K range. So is, so is Joel Damon. But kind of looking how they have done it, you know, Putnam is... Even for even by his own standards, um, putting better than his 100 round baseline by a stroke or a half a stroke per round. Matt McNeely the same, three quarters of a stroke. That's a little bit worried. So uh, Justin Rose, a half a stroke per round. Someone like Seamus Power, who's actually down a quarter of a stroke per round with the putter over his last 36 to his 100 round baseline. Like I believe there's bounce back opportunity there, right? And if you actually go down and you look at the um, you know the bounce back candidates. You want those guys in the upper left hand quadrant. You want to stay from away from guys in the lower right hand quadrant. So if you're looking for uh, names that pop up here, uh, you probably can't see it, but I can hover over his name. Seamus is right here, so he's in that that upper right hand quadrant. So is so is Joel Damon and some of these some of these other guys that we'll get to in just a second. But I I just think if you're looking at this from a statistical standpoint, removing a lot of the other noise there are guys who are geared for regression and there are guys that are likely to continue some of the success. Look at what Tom Hoagie's done on approach, by the way. And Tom Hoagie's very, a very good approach player. He is absolutely scorching hot with his irons. Uh, and the putter too, which is a good combo. I'll tell you what, I mean, I don't love being like, oh, this guy's going to defend his title. I think I think Tom Hoagie is in for a pretty darn good week. Uh, before I'm going to forget about this. So before I get to the 8K range, I was talking about matchups. And I think when you get... Some of these guys who are, um, you know, you have to play the three-course rotation. you got to be pretty well-rounded. The Tom Hoagies of the world, the Seamus Powers of the world, the Mav McNeelys of the world, the Matt Fitzpatricks of the world, those are guys I'm trying to get in matchups. So I wanted to pull up Throw to see, like, what the Mav McNeely uh, matchups are. So they've got McNeely against both Hoagie and Seamus power. I'll scroll through and see if I can find any more, but I think I'm getting further down the board. There's a ton of matchups on, on bro throw right now. And it's Monday, which is kind of one of the things I I love about them. So you might end up seeing me not play McNeely for DFS purposes, but you might see me play him in one and done. You might see me have a lot of matchups with him, things like that. Uh, Fitzpatrick over Jordan Spieth. Uh, that is probably one that I'm going to have to bet. Right. So the way this works is uh, you don't pay juice right to the house here. This this gets dejuiced. So it's minus one twenty for Matt Fitzpatrick to plus one twenty for Jordan Spieth. You just bet with your friends. We have a community on Brothrow. There's like four hundred and fifty people. If you want to get involved, there's a link in the description. Uh, brothrowcom slash Rick. I'll have to approve you. It's invite only. Then we can wager with each other. So I'll probably throw out a couple of. McNeely one so if you want the other side of those keep an eye out for that but there's a there's a ton of ones on here and just keeping keeping in mind those well-rounded golfers are gonna be very valuable this week um, in my opinion the 8k range I love Taylor Pendrith, I have you know drafted Taylor Pendrith a ton in season long fantasy. I thought he was going to be pretty good last week. I don't think this is particularly a good setup for him. There are uh, bomb and gouge places for for Pendrith. He is generally not very good in the in the wedge categories right like that 125 yards and in for him he's 166 from 100 to 125 from 125 to 150 which is even kind of extending it out a little bit he's 148 from 50 to 75 he's 77 from 75 to 100 he's one sixty fourth I mean it's just like that's that's not that's not his game it's not his game. And he's going to be asked to do that over and over and over and over again. And then he's going to be asked to putt on POA and it's like, ah, I get a little bit worried about that. So probably taking a pass on Pendrith this week and seeing if we can find anybody else. Ben Griffin in this 8k range. uh, I don't even know. I was going to say he's quietly playing very well. I don't even know if this is all that quiet anymore, right? He missed the cut at the Fortinet and has not missed a cut since he has gained in uh, both ball striking categories, every event for five straight. The putter is volatile in a good way right He can gain four he can gain 3.8 he can lose four like that's okay and when you can when you get all that stuff working on the same week he has legitimate top 15 upside and this is probably one of the weaker fields that he has seen as of late i don't love that it's a three-course rotation for him because i'd like to get him settled into one spot but um we've seen some longer guys win here we've seen some guys contend here this is a pretty good spot for Ben Griffin. He's not even getting that big of a price increase. He's been living in the bottom of the $7,000 range for the last couple of weeks. Now he's, well, I guess it is pretty big, 8,600. Sorry, I was thinking he was 8,000 for some reason. He's $8,600. So it is a pretty significant increase, but uh, seemingly warranted. Nick Taylor and Taylor Moore are two of the better POA putters in the 8K range. So Nick Taylor, 24, or excuse me, I guess I should be sorting by PO by putting. That would make a lot more sense before I made that statement. So let me try this again. Uh, the first 8K guy that I can find in terms of uh, stroke game putting on POA is actually Kevin Kisner. My bad. Taylor Moore is second still. So, okay. So that ended up being right. So 14 rounds for Taylor Moore, gaining about a half a stroke uh, per round. And then the other one was Kisner. He's right here. 17 rounds. This dates back to 2020. A um, A little bit more than half a stroke per round. Sorry, I got a little bit excited there and forgot to sort by actually strokes game putting. The other thing with Moore is he's coming off a T11 last week, uh, which snapped a streak of three straight missed cuts. He finished 16th here last year, so I'd be clicking... Probably Moore's name in the $8,000 range. I don't think it's a great range, to be honest with you. It's very, very small, and it has a couple of guys that don't do well with wedges like Pendrith and Burmeester. And it has guys like Kisner, who we haven't seen since the Hero World Challenge. And I don't think Kis wants to bop around with a bunch of amateurs for six and a half hours a day. Um, so it's likely I'm clicking Griffin's name here. I'm clicking Taylor Moore's name here. I, I, continue to like Dietrich. I just think he's a a great player in general and I want to buy that stock. And then if I'm feeling a little bit frisky, so I I must admit like I went to Nick Taylor uh, last start which was the American Express. He was coming off a 7th place finish at the Sony. He missed the cut. It wasn't great. I think you got to give him one more chance. You know, he won this event 3 years ago. He's been in the top 40 four straight years. He finished 14th last year. He's playing better now. I I think we kind of got to go with him, right? He's also, I think he popped up on those those guys that popped up for uh, playing well on short courses, which makes sense because he has a lot of success here in general. Oh, that's Ben Taylor, not Nick Taylor. Um, So yeah, I think I think if I gave him a chance at the American Express, I think I have to give him one more crack this week as well. Okay, a couple names stand out to me in the 7K range. First off, um, Lonto might be back. So for this, we got to go to the Holy Grail. And we have to go by round. And I want to look at his results from last week, which I can do here. Because he got off to a really good start and faded on Sunday. Yeah, here we go. I mean, he gains 2.7 in round one, a stroke in round two, 2.2 in round three. He was inside the top 15, gives back 2.8 on Sunday, losing 2.7 strokes with the putter. I think we can uh, probably forgive that right? I mean, he had just gained 2.8 strokes putting uh, in, in the round before that. Both of those were on the south course. He actually did gain for the week because he gained a stroke in his second round on uh would have been Thursday. I'm confused by the days, but in his second round, he's back from injury, right? Remember this? Remember he missed like six months because he had back surgery and he got warmed up with a corn fairy event like two weeks ago. Then last week, he plays well for three out of the four rounds. If you look at his history around here, I think it's actually pretty good let me pop it up real quick i think he's got two top 20s in a row if my if memory serves me yeah t16 last year did not play it in 21 played in 2020 finished t9 so decent vibes playing well enough trying to catch him on the way up as opposed to you know he finishes t8 and then everybody wants to start playing him again the other one is joseph bramlett um so this is good this goes back to the conversation about. I don't really care how far you hit it off the tee. Um, I just know that you're, you're going to be hitting a lot shorter clubs into these greens than everybody else is. And he was basically a zero on the putting surfaces last week. He gave back a lot on, on the final rounds and um, actually finished at .02 in the positive for the week. That's a huge win for him. That's like a stroke per round better than his baseline. And that's an exaggeration, but you can see if he putts to the field average, it's a huge win for him. He's been striking it well. I worry a little bit about like his wedges and stuff like that, but we're kind of getting a better version of him, right? I mean, he hasn't missed the cut since Bermuda. He's got two top 15 finishes in his last five starts. I think we have to start taking him a little bit more seriously if he puts to a zero. That's kind of the key here. So those are the two that I wanted to, immediately point out in the 7k range robbie shelton 7800 bucks robbie shelton not very long off the tee that's not going to hurt you here he's accurate enough he's got a great approach play he's uh, good enough around the greens 7800 bucks for robbie shelton and we've seen him with legit top 10 upside two top 10s in his last in his last four worth noting um super handy to have boots on the ground right you you, you learn a lot of stuff talking to people um garrick higo is no longer with claude Harmon. And apparently he's quite smitten about that. And we might be seeing that in his result. I mean, he's been, do not get me wrong. He has been horrendous. T11 at the American Express. T53 at the Farmers. He lost three strokes putting last week. That is certainly within the range of outcomes. But you can start to see gain strokes on approach in two straight. Gain strokes off the tee in two straight. The ball striking seems to be getting a little bit better. Has a lot of upside, right? I mean, we saw him win multiple times on the European tour. He comes in, wins immediately at the Palmetto. He can pop up out of nowhere. That third place finish at the Sanderson was after five consecutive missed cuts, right? So this is a very, very volatile, high risk, high reward play. But you got a guy who's split from his swing coach and I think he loves it. You're starting to see a little bit of uh, early returns on that just worth noting. I think it is very, very volatile, but someone we should be keeping our eye on over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, the bottom of the 7K range is kind of a lot of u- the usual suspects. You know, Kevin Shulman will get a big bump because of uh, his history around here. He missed the cut here last year, but he's been outstanding. Otherwise, he still always, I don't know if they still do, team up with Larry Fitzgerald and play in this, and it, they would just dominate. Um, but I'm probably not as excited as, as most people are going to be. The other one would be Eric Barnes. So he finished 13th last week. He had a great weekend. In fact, it was actually the best weekend of anyone who is playing this event. Gained like six strokes. I would offer a bit of caution there so if we click into this you'll see gained six strokes putting alone on sunday or during the final round which is more than he gained in total right so he gained five in the final round 6.1 with the putter that means he lost a stroke with uh his teeter green play a little bit fool's goldy to me right uh i i i worry about that but he is a flat seven thousand dollars if you wanted to go back to it i'm not particularly there the six thousand dollar range i think we're going to find a lot of guys when we run a model here i think we're going to find a lot of these guys um popping up because we're gonna have to get pretty pretty darn freaky for this week but i just want to see if anybody stands out as i'm scrolling through here the answer is generally no i have this sorted by the last 36 rounds of everybody in this range just by strokes gain total and it's not really pretty and most of these guys are, are like coming off missed cuts or even two cuts. I will point out, uh, Ben Silverman, he won on the corn Ferry last week. They ran it. God. And then if you thought, la- if you thought that they ran like Sunday to Wednesday or something like that. So if you thought that was weird, last week was weird for the PGA tour. Uh, very weird, weird there. So he's 6,800 bucks. If you go beat a, a field of the corn fairy guys, you, you're playing well, right? 6,800 bucks. Um, hasn't played this event since 2019. He made the cut that year, finished 45th. And Sudoshi Kodaira always shows up on these, um, like wedge fests, right? Like that's where like accuracy wedge fest. Satoshi Kodaira always seems to, always seems to show up there. This is, this is not that pretty. Let's, uh, let's run a model and see what we can find. See if we can snuff out a couple more of these guys. All right. So we can, this is a pretty unique event. I think we should get pretty freaky with it. So off the tee, I'm probably going to go with, um, I'm going to do this maybe a little bit backwards than most, but I gonna do like 10 on accuracy. Uh, no, maybe not that much. Five on accuracy, 10 on distance. So that's 15 in total. Uh, I I get it. This is probably a little different. Approach play. I think you got to be pretty stout. Let's do stroke gain approach less 36, like 25, right? Like we got, we got to be good uh, around the green. I'm going to put 10 on Sand Saves and I'm going to put 10 on stroke skin around the green last 50, so kind of my own little weighted one there. I also want to do uh, putting on Poe. We'll put 20 there. What do I have left? I have 20 left. And then I think we've got to put our final 20 on I hate to say it, we got to do it on that bucket, right? We got to do it on 120, 100 to 125. Um I might run this later in the week on Wednesday and add in maybe a little bit of course history. Um, uh, Otherwise I'm pretty happy with this. Otherwise I'm pretty happy with this. Uh, Okay. So who does, Oh God, who does that give us? Of course it does. Webb Simpson. Number one. Yikes. That is terrifying. That is really terrifying. Jordan beef. Number two. No surprise. Yeah. Matt Kuchar three. That makes sense. Um, I'm not a big cooch guy. I don't play him often. I don't. I really. I just don't play him a lot at all. Third here, Luke Donald fourth. That makes sense as well. Kind of the the wedge, the wedging of things. I mean, you can tell how how freaky of a of a model this is and how out of character it is when the first four guys are 7700, 106, 94, and 6900. Victor's fifth. I, I think this is. People are going to. It's a I don't want to say it's a shame he won the amateur here, but people I think are going to back their way into this being a good spot for Victor because he won the amateur here as opposed to just being like, oh, yeah, this is actually like a pretty good spot for him on paper. Lipsky six, David Lipsky, Thomas Dietrich seven, Nate Lashley eight, Ben Griffin nine and YouTube superstar Wesley Bryan is 10th. Kind of makes, like, I, I get it. I mean, I know I know why these guys are all showing up because it's what I put in. But like, yeah, this is a very, very different model uh for me this week than most. Notables, Hoagie is 13th. Justin Rose, $9,500. He's 15th. Eric Barnes, who scares the crap out of me, 17th. So um I'll save this. And I might want to tweak it a little bit as, as we go on. This was just kind of my first crack at it. But I think these are the things that we're generally going to have to look at and see where we stand could be a weird one. We've seen some long shots win here. Didn't we see Ted Potter Jr. Uh, out-duel Dustin Johnson here? Nick Taylor won this at probably a couple hundred to one. So you can get some some weird stuff. Anyway, that'll do it. Uh, betting preview on Tuesday, Wednesday, live chat as usual. Then we're back on the road. Phoenix and Riv. Let's go. Best of luck this week. I'll talk to you guys soon.